Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It is rather wintry outside, but the sun is shining, and I hope that all of us thank God for this day and for the privilege that is ours to be able to assemble ourselves for worship. Today is the 24th Sunday after Trinity, the second last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday we bring this present church year to an end. And I'm sure that as Christians, when you and I think of the end of something as the end of the year, our minds begin to realize that the shadows are lengthening, and that again our minds as Christians, they turn to thoughts about the return of Christ and the destruction of this world. And very appropriately, the epistle lesson takes cognizance and talks about this very thing. We find it written in the second letter of the Apostle Peter. He wrote two letters, as you know, in the New Testament, writing to the Christians of Asia Minor. And in this second letter, in this third chapter, we find the Apostle Peter doing some foretelling, some prophesying. And as he writes to the Christians of his day, he says that there are going to be, in the latter times, there are going to be scoffers who shall arise, who shall laugh to scorn the idea of the return of Christ to destroy this earth. Peter says they're going to say it's ridiculous, it's utterly impossible, and he tells them why. He says they're going to say, how do you think he can come back to this earth? How do you think that he can ever destroy this world and this planet? Peter said those scoffers are going to say it's utterly impossible. Don't you realize that in this world there is a certain sameness that exists? that from the beginning everything goes along in the very same invariable way. And Peter says they're going to say to you why it's impossible for him to come back and to destroy this world. It means that he would have to break this sameness barrier. He would have to break this invariableness that exists, this constancy, this set pattern. And therefore, Peter says, even though... They are going to say, these scoffers and those who laugh, and are going to poo-poo the idea of Christ's return and the idea of the destruction of the world. Peter says, but nevertheless, the day of the Lord, he says, shall come as a thief in the night. Nevertheless, Christians, know this. Write it on your hearts. Be certain of this, that he is going to come back as a thief in the night. He is going to come suddenly in the twinkling of an eye. He is going to come without any forewarning. And he is going to destroy this earth, this planet, this world, in spite of those that laugh and scoff and mock, who say that it's an utter impossibility because they will say he has to break this sameness pattern. And today on this second last Sunday of the church year, the Apostle Peter, through the Word of God, talks to you and me. And he says, Christians, write this on your heart and bear in mind that Christ is going to come back as a thief in the night. With every certainty, he is coming suddenly in the twinkling of an eye, and he is going to destroy this world, in spite of scoffers who say that this is an utter impossibility, that again, this very seamless pattern, scoffers will say, it's never been broken. Things go on in the very same pattern. 
And you and I may be rather troubled by that. We may say, it is rather hard to believe that Christ is coming back to this earth, that he's going to destroy this world. And we may say, isn't there an element of truth in what the scoffers say, uh, that he would have to break this sameless barrier, that he would have to penetrate it, that in this perpetual sameness and invaluableness and constancy, in this set pattern that you and I see in this world, has it ever been broken did he ever break it? And we may say, after all, there is a grain of truth. Isn't it true that, again, the a sunrise follows the sunset in an invariable pattern? You have day following night in an invariableness without change. You have seed time and harvest. You have summer, then you have winter, as you and I know. You have heat and you have cold. Isn't there a sameness? Isn't there an invariableness in this world? Has it really ever been broken and penetrated? Can Christ really come back and destroy this earth? The Apostle Peter says, write it on your souls, Christians. But as the thief in the night, he's coming back. He's coming back suddenly and he will destroy this earth in spite of scoffers and those that laugh and say that's an utter impossibility. That is absolutely ridiculous. He can't break this sameness barrier. It can't be done. It's all because Peter says, bear this in mind, Christians. It is the day of the Lord. Don't forget that the one that is coming back is the Lord. He is no less than God himself. And Peter would remind you and me today that the one that's coming back as a thief in the night suddenly is no less than God. And therefore, he is certainly not one that is worried about this set sameness or breaking the sameness barrier as though it can't be done. And let's look at this sameness barrier that we see that men say, look out on this world. After all, everything goes according to a certain pattern. And as you see one thing following another, and since this pattern has never been broken, how in the world can you as a Christian believe that he's going to come back as a thief in the night, suddenly in the twinkling of an eye, and destroy this world, this earth, this planet? Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And don't forget, he is no less than God. And oh, what a difference that makes. Because it would remind you and me in the first place that again, this one who is going to come in the twinkling of an eye as a thief in the night to destroy this earth, he is no less than God who has created this earth rather strangely with water above it and water on it and water in it. Oh, it's nice to scoff and to laugh away the return of Jesus Christ and the destruction of this earth. But in this third chapter, the Apostle Peter says, but those that scoff, do they realize just in creation how this earth was created? That there is water above it in the clouds? That there is water on it and water in it? You know, when our astronauts got to the moon, they found no atmosphere, did they? They found no moisture whatsoever, no water. But as they looked back from the moon and looked on the earth, they saw atmosphere, they saw clouds, they saw water. Do you and I realize that that's something unusual? 
And something very strange in Peter reminds his readers in his day, do you realize that he who is God in the creation of this planet called Earth, that he put water above it, there's water on it, and there is water in it. And therefore, Peter says, and don't forget, even though they'll laugh, and they'll say there's a certain invariable pattern, and that's fixed, and it goes on. Peter says he's broken that barrier. And he mentions it was broken in the flood. He says, have they forgotten the flood? That this earth was destroyed at one time by water when it rained from the heavens and the fountains of the deep came forth, and the waters rose, and all life was drowned. And geologists today say the only explanation for the fact that nowhere in the world, when you see rock strata, do you see any rock strata that hasn't been somehow or other, it's been deformed and it's been changed by cataclysm, that the explanation is a flood. And paleontologists who look again at fossils and seeing the fossilized remains of life upon the mountains and in the high rocks must say there must have been a flood that reached thus high. And so again, Peter says to you and me as a Christian, bear in mind that he is going to come as a thief in the night. Don't let anybody mock you and ridicule you and say this is an utter impossibility because they're hit is a necessity, they will say, that you've got to break this sameness barrier. The flood broke this sameness barrier. The evidence that this world was destroyed by water. And therefore, Peter says, write it on your heart. Christ is going to come as the thief in the night. Yes, this planet, this earth is going to be destroyed even as again it has been told in the word of God. And therefore, as we say, the shadows are lengthening. We're coming to an end of another church here. We're coming again to the time when we're thinking about the end of the world and about the return of Christ and about the destruction of this earth. We ought to say to ourselves, I believe that and I will hold to that in spite of scoffing because this sameness barrier has been broken and penetrated. And then we ought to determine today as we look forward to say, one thing I must determine in my life that I don't want him to come that suddenly in the twinkling of an eye and I not be ready. You know, it's possible for him to come as a thief in the night and for you and for me not to be ready. And look who was writing. He should have known the Apostle Peter himself. Oh yes, Simon Peter Barjona, Peter son of John, old Pete Johnson from up Galilee way, who again came to faith in Jesus Christ and he knew what it was in one of the moments in his life not to be ready for anything. When he was in Caiaphas' yard and when again he denied that he ever knew Christ, that he'd ever seen him before, the apostle Peter, he knew what it meant to lose again a saving faith in Jesus Christ. He knew what it was to be lost. He knew what it was to fall from grace when he had deliberately denied his Lord and when again it was true as Jesus had cautioned him that before the cock could crow twice he would three times deny his Lord. It is said that in his life from then on every time he saw a rooster and heard a rooster crow that he got down on his knees reminding himself of the fact that again, it is possible for any one of us 
as a child of God not to be ready. And can you imagine any greater tragedy for Christ to return as a thief in the night, suddenly, without again a moment's preparation, and then not to be ready and to stand before him as he comes to destroy this earth and to be lost? Oh, when he said of Judas, it were better for that man that he had never been born. No greater tragedy could ever come to you and me uh, then again, for him to say, it would be better, son, daughter, that you had never been born. Oh, again, to say, this is one thing that shall not happen. I will not be unprepared when he comes as a thief in the night, because I know that he is coming. And then there is this comfort of knowing that when he does come suddenly, uh, there will be no time then in order to get right with him. When he comes in the twinkling of an eye as a thief, there won't be any time even to say, I'm sorry. It will all be over when he comes. There will be no time, one fraction of a second, to say to him, I'm sorry. Today, as we see that the shadows are lengthening, we ought to say to ourselves, he is coming, in spite of those that laugh us to scorn. They mock it and they say, why can't you see that there is a certain set pattern in this earth? And can't you see again that even as men take the time from the sun, and when again they gauge the time from the sun and from the stars, that it doesn't vary a fraction of a second, that everything goes on in a sameness. But the word of God says, this sameness pattern was broken. It was broken by the flood. Peter would say, write it on your hearts, Christians. He's coming again as a thief in the night. He's going to destroy this planet, this earth. Yes, he is. In spite of the critics and in spite of those who mock and laugh and ridicule it and say this is utter nonsense, this is something that you can poo-poo because he doesn't have the power. That's an impossibility. Uh, Peter says, will you remember that it's the day of the Lord, uh, that God is coming back? Uh, this Jesus is no less than God. And then he reminds you and me in the second place that this one who is coming back again as a thief in the night who is going to destroy this earth, this planet, he is no less than God who is not controlled by time as you and I are. Peter goes on to say, oh, those that scoff, they, they forget something. They say, why, why doesn't he come? Look at the length of time that has existed in our day, nearly 2,000 years since he came the first time. And it's easy to say, well, the reason he hasn't come is because he is controlled by time and time won't let him. The longer it goes, the less the likelihood of his coming back. He's got to break the time barrier if he's coming back. And the Apostle Peter says, you know, it's rather strange with those that scoff. They forget the fact that with God, a day is just like a thousand years and a thousand years is just like a day. Uh, that to God, time is not something that controls him. He controls time. And they say, uh, this time pattern has never been broken. This sameness of time, but it has. For us Christians, we say, yes, it was. It was broken at Calvary one day when this Jesus, who was no less than God, came out of the ivory palaces and came into this world, born of human being through God and through men. When he died on the cross, it was in about the year 33. And men say, how in the world can that death on the cross, if he opened up heaven and life and salvation for all men, if he gained all the righteousness for the world to have salvation in him, what good did Calvary do Adam and Eve 
What good did it do in Noah 3,000 years before Jesus came? Or Abraham 2,000 years? Or David 1,000 years before he came? Isn't it rather amazing for us Christians we turn to the Word of God and we find in the book of Revelation that it says that he was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world? In Calvary, let me assure you, this time barrier was broken. Here was a timeless sacrifice that God looked upon Calvary as a sacrifice made to open up heaven for the entire human race. It was timeless, not subject to time that Adam and Eve were saved by a faith in the seed of the woman and the Messiah to come, that Noah was saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And as you and I look into the Old Testament, it was a timeless sacrifice. To you and to me as a Christian, we say, who says that there is a pattern, that there is a sameness, that there is a barrier that has never been broken? Calvary broke it in the death of God's Son for the Savior who came into the world to save us from our sins. And therefore, again, Peter says, write it on your heart, Christians. He is going to come as a thief in the night. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be without warning. He's going to destroy this earth in spite of what critics say that it can't be done. It's another impossibility. And all because this time barrier has been broken. It was broken at Calvary. And therefore, Peter would remind all that laugh at this, bear in mind, don't misinterpret him, the fact that he delays in coming, the fact that he doesn't come, and because therefore you say he can't come, it is not inability that he is powerless, that again, time controls him and says, no, Peter says, this is his long-suffering. The reason why he doesn't come is because, again, he is patient. He doesn't want one soul to perish he wants all men to come to repentance and faith. That's the reason. Why doesn't he come? You know, Jesus one day said this. He said, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness, he said, unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I love Peter's illustration when he talks about the church as being built with living stones. In other words, living stones. And Christ is holding up his coming for one reason that living stones might still be added to the people of God, to the beautiful cathedral that he's building of all saved souls. And when finally the harvest is finished, when finally this temple is built and living stones have been added and his temple is complete, when again in patience he has waited, that no man be lost, that every man have an opportunity to say, then shall the end come. Let us never misinterpret and misinterpret Christ's trustworthiness his mercy, his kindness, his patience, as though it means that he lacks the power to break the sound barrier, the time barrier. He broke it at Calvary. Don't forget it. But some say again, why is it, uh, therefore, that if he has broken again this very time barrier, should it not be, therefore, that we would say to ourselves, I am determined that I'm going to be ready all the time since he is coming as a thief in the night. We may say, how can you be ready for an event that's going to be as a thief in the night? Suddenly, without any warning, in the twinkling of an eye, how can you be ready for an event like that when he's coming to destroy the earth? It's rather simple. It means you've got to be ready all the time. And then we may wonder, why is it that he didn't tell us when he's coming? Why didn't he say, I'm going to come in the year 2500 on such and such a day? Why didn't he tell us uh, wouldn't it have been a lot better had he told us the exact time of his coming? Let's put it this way. Would it have been better he had told you the exact day of your death? 
Would it have been better that he said, you're going to live until you're 75 years of age, you're going to die at 2.30 o'clock on the afternoon of your 75th birthday? Would that have been a lot better? You may have said, oh, then I, I've got a lot of time. I could wait till my 75th birthday. Why didn't he do it? It would have been uh, something most unkind. You and I would have said, I'm going to live till I'm 75. I'm going to live as a place. And then on my 75th birthday, I'm going to turn and I'm going to repent, failing to realize what sin does in its habits how it hardens your heart and mind. That, again, the great possibility would be that at the age of 75, if you and I had never turned to him in repentance, repentance would be another impossibility. Oh, we'd yell, I'm sorry, and we'd say, I don't want to be lost. We'd say, I want to go to heaven. But there would be no repentance. The big danger would be this, that it would only be sorrow. Repentance would have to show itself in life. And if you and I had 75 years to look back to where there was no repentance, and there were no fruits of righteousness, we'd have to say that we had hardened our hearts. Thank God he has never told us when he is coming, but has said he's coming as a thief in the night. Suddenly to be ready all the time, and we can be right now. We can say to ourselves, every day he forgives me again all my sins of ignorance and my sins of weakness that I don't want to do. And if there is in your life at this moment any deliberate sin or living in deliberate sin that we are persisting in, there's nothing in God's world preventing you right now or me to turn to him and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Then we're ready all the time. And then there is this comfort of knowing we don't have to be afraid when he comes as a thief in the night for that unexpected event when he shall destroy this world because there is no reason in God's world why you can't be ready for that event that is uncertain or why I can't be ready. We can be ready right now if we can turn and confess our sins and ask him to forgive us because, you see, he died for any sin in your life and mine. The shadows are lengthening. We're coming to the end again of a church here and we're saying to ourselves, uh, again, Christ is coming and he's going to destroy this earth and Peter says, and don't worry, there will be scoffers and there will be mockers in your day and there are laugh to scorn. The idea that he's going to return to this earth and destroy this planet, this world, this earth, ridiculous, that's preposterous. Why he'd have to break the sameness barrier. Look at this world. Things go on and you have morning and you have night and you have sunrise and you have sunset and you've got seasons and he'd have to break this sameness barrier. But Peter says, don't forget it's the day of the Lord. It's God that's coming back. And that means it makes a tremendous difference because this one who is going to come back, Peter would remind you and me, he is no less than God and he is one who will destroy this planet, this earth, this world, by fire. Critics can say, how in the world can Jesus of Nazareth come back and destroy this universe by fire? How can he break this sameness barrier? He broke the sameness barrier, friends, not only at Calvary, but also at Joseph's garden on Easter morning. Don't forget he broke the barrier when he raised himself from the dead. He's alive. Don't forget Easter. Don't forget the resurrection. And because he broke that barrier of sameness, he came back from the grave. Peter saw him that afternoon. What a meeting that must have been. Paul tells us that he appeared to Peter alone. What a meeting that must have been when he, that afternoon, said, Pete Johnson, 
Pete, you sinned. You denied me, Pete, but I forgive you. When everything was made right, Pete Johnson, the big fisherman from up Galilee Way, he saw him, don't forget that. And just as certain as he simply broke that sameness, that invariableness barrier, that constancy barrier by raising himself from the dead, when he says that he's going to destroy this earth by fire, that's what's going to happen. And Peter said, and the heavens shall disappear with a loud crash. And the elements, he said, shall melt with fervent heat. And this world shall be destroyed by fire. Once by water, and when he comes again, by fire. Why? Because he's God. Men say, coming in the twinkling of an eye, how can all this be in the twinkling of an eye? That's the kind of a God I've got. All power is going to be restored. And then he's going to, again, when he has conquered uh, this sameness barrier, he shall create new heavens and a new earth. Beyond his possibility, why when man sinned, this world was placed under the bondage of sin, and the world groans, as it were, for release. And when again he comes again, this one shall be destroyed by fire and a new one shall be created, a new heaven and a new earth, because he has the power, because, again, in frustration this universe stands, because of man's sin, it will be regained, it will be restored in a new creation in the twinkling of an eye. Not impossible, no, just making big enough he conquered the sameness barrier at Calvary, and he conquered it in Joseph's garden. Let's not forget and let them mock. And that ought to mean this, then. We say the shadows are lengthening, another year's about to come to an end in the church. And we think about his coming back, and we think about the destruction of this world, this universe, by fire. We think about a new heaven and a new earth. It ought to mean this, then, as we ride it on our souls, that we look forward with joy and with anticipation to his coming again, which is going to bring an end to scoffers and to deliberate sinners. I suppose you and I say sometimes as we look out on our country today, and we say, these are the days which try men's souls. And oh, they've said that for generations, haven't they? But have you ever seen a time, has the world ever seen a time, when one-fourth of the world's surface is under communistic domination? One-third of the population of the world under a godless regime. When you and I look at our country and we say, God, I never thought things would happen as they're happening in our country. And we may say, what's the end? We're going to bury ourselves in the sand or head for a moment and say, tomorrow it's going to be better. I don't think it's going to get any better. I think it's going to get worse. And then we say to ourselves, well, what's coming? And yet again, when the thing looks so intensely dark, how many of us can say, but nevertheless, Christ is coming back. And there's going to be a destruction of this world. And scoffers and blasphemers shall be damned. It will be an end to sinners. Just several weeks ago when I was up in Minneapolis, and our board of publication met, I was asked to have the opening prayer. 
And in that prayer, I remember saying something about, again, we were doing God's work. We ought to do it in joy and expectancy and with a sense of victory because the church is coming through. Christ is coming back. And after it was over, I thought nothing much about it, but a layman on the board walked over to me and he said, thank you for that prayer this morning. He says, I needed that. I never thought about that. He's coming back, isn't he? May you and I know that when it gets so unbearable and the whole world seems to be coming apart at the seams, Peter says, don't forget, he's coming back in the twinkling of an eye. And he said, I'm coming quickly. He said, wait for me and I will destroy the wicked. This is the end of mockers and blasphemy. And individuals are saying the church has got to go. Jesus Christ has got to go. My Lord's coming back when men least expect him. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And that will be a joy to spend it eternally in righteousness, thanking him for what we have. Old Pete Johnson. Tradition is told, you know, that when he got to Rome, after Nero had set fire to the city, and as I stood in Rome, I saw the tower where Nero was supposedly to have quiddled while Rome burned, and they blamed it on the Christians. And when Peter was there, his followers told him, they said, Peter, you flee for your life and leave Rome because the church needs you. And he took their advice, and he went down the Appian Way. When I was in Rome on the Appian Way, I thought about Pete Johnson's of going down the Appian Way, leaving Rome, because Christians had said, don't let them feed you to the lions in the Colosseum. He was walking along, the tradition says, in the darkness, and he recognized somebody coming toward him, and that face looked so familiar, and it was his Lord in this vision, so we are told. And when Peter saw him come closer to the Lord, he said, Quo vadis, Domine, whither goest thou, Master? And Jesus is supposedly to have said to him, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified again. And then old Pete Johnson, the rock, again realizing nothing else mattered, we're told that he turned around and he walked back the Appian Way and he was crucified for his Lord. Everything was all right. And he said, don't crucify me with my head up. Put my head down. My Lord had his head up in the inverted cross is still the symbol of Pete Johnson, the big fisherman from up Galilee Way who was crucified upside down. But you see, nothing else mattered because his Christ was going to come back. There was going to be and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And as the shadows lengthen in your life and mine, you and I say he's coming back as a thief in the night. And he's going to destroy this universe. Thank God we can go forward with joy. And we can say when he comes, there's going to be an end to sinners. We can go on in his eternal kingdom and spend an eternity thanking him for the righteousness in the new heavens and the new earth. Let's walk the glory road today on tiptoe in joy and say nothing else matters. He is coming back. He has broken the sameness barrier. And we can walk in joy and in courage and in victory. We can look at him. He's gone. Oh, God, how great thou art. How great thou art. How great thou art. Amen.
the peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping the night your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.